chapter 6, verse 1. If you've got it, say, mm-hmm. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians and the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily, daily ministration. The, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not the reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest rapport, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them the rhythm is going to get you. Then you may be seated. I'm letting some of you sing it in your head right now. I think some of the young people go, like, what is he talking about? What is he saying? When I was growing up, I used to actually... When people would want to make fun of me, they that's actually what they used to say. Oh, they say, be quiet, Gloria, because her name was Estefan. Gloria Estefan. So I'd always be like, who was? I didn't know who that was, Gloria Estefan, until I found out. And then I, dun, 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 dun. I was like, hey, call me all you want. She got some rhythm. I like that. And there was that song, right? And it, it, I think, I believe she was, uh, was she Cuban, right? Was she Cuban? She was Cuban, how that rhythm is gonna get you. Rhythm is gonna get you. Don't look at me like that. Some of you, that was your jam. You were like, you know that was. But the song talked about how when things come together, it forms one voice. When things come together, it forms one sound. When things come together, it forms one rhythm. Here this morning, I want you to know that each and every one of us, we are in a fight for our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls. For whatever reason, God compacted all these different areas of who we are into this one body you call a name, and whatever name you have, but it is composed and comprised of a bunch of different uh, uh, things that God has put together. We are made up of our hearts. We are made up of our souls, of our minds that are entrapped with this fleshly body. But when it comes together, it forms a great rhythm. The decisions you make are carried out by the body you have. But the decision starts here in your mind, and they come a lot from our heart or our past experiences and things that have happened. But they all come together, and we're able to carry out God's will for our life. Can I hear an amen? So what I need you to know is that each and every one of us, we are in a fight for our souls. We are in a fight for our lives. We are in a fight, whether it's in our marriages, it's in our, our, our single motherhood, single fatherhood, at our jobs, with our families. We are in a fight. So it's very important that you and I understand that we need to be Christians that are plugged in. Somebody say plugged in. See, what we're involved in, we're not involved in government. We are involved in kingdom. I'm going to say that one more time. We're not involved in government. Even if you're a city official here today, I want you to know something. You may be in government. You're not of government. You may be in this world, but you're not. 
We're of the kingdom business, a kingdom mindset. Can I hear an amen? See, and because we're in a kingdom, the enemy knows that what he wants to do is he wants to distract you. Because if he can distract you, he can disarm you. And a disarmed Christian is of no good to the kingdom. So you and I must understand that the enemy is trying his best to uh, disarm you by distracting you. But the way that you and I get armed is we got to get plugged in. See, an unarmed Christian is like an unplugged toaster. It will not get hot unless it gets plugged in. It's got to get plugged in. Tell your neighbor, get plugged in. Now, what I'm real excited about, me and my wife, we're going to be starting this marriage life group. And this marriage life group is to plug in our marriages. We want to get plugged in. Now, listen to me. This is very important because I know the society and the culture and the, and the place where I live in here in the Bay Area, we have a high divorce rate. We have a very high divorce rate. And if I don't acknowledge that and I don't understand where we're going, then I'm just going to be talking at the side of my neck and trying my best to walk on eggshells. No, I understand where we're at, what's going on. Many of you have been through a divorce. Many of you have been through different things that you look back in your past and say, man, I wish I would have never had that. I wish that would have never took place. And some of you right now, you're even in that current situation. of say, you're still getting healed, but I want you to know something. Stay in the hospital. You're going to get healed. Get plugged into the Holy Ghost Hospital. You're going to get healed. But one thing I've learned within our marriage, me and my wife, is that we got to learn to laugh at how dumb we really were. Now, some of you probably say, well, I'm not dumb. Well, if I look at your choices, they were probably dumber than mine. And I look at that, and I look at some of the things that's so just petty, so crazy, like, I can't believe we would even argue over stuff like that. Now, some of you got to look back into when you first got married, like myself, when I first got married. I go, oh, my gosh. Well, I saw a couple. They were praying, and I said, oh, my gosh. This reminded me so much of what. Well, let me just show you. I want to show you here of a little bit within our just. All right, show the video. You'll see what I'm talking about. And Father, I know we argue a lot, but. Thank you for our marriage, and I pray that you put it inside of my wife to leave the ketchup on the outside of the refrigerator. Uh, uh, Lord, um, we thank you for everything you've given to yes, us, but, Father, yes. but uh, Lord, please help my husband to remember and read on the back of the ketchup bottle, and it says to refrigerate, Lord. And Father God, uh, even though the back of the ketchup says refrigerated, who buys ketchup to look on the back of the label? But anyway, Father God, I pray a special prayer that you help my wife to stop leaving hair in the sink, Father God, because it also jumps into my brush and I find myself picking out hair all day long, Father God. Lord, uh, please forgive my husband because he's not aware of what he do wrong, Lord. Uh, Lord, please help him to know when I'm done washing dishes, he do not come behind me and put more dirty dishes in the sink, Lord. Please help him, Lord. Please, Lord. Father God, I pray a special prayer that my wife stop going to her friends, telling her friends all of our business. Father God, it is none of their business because all of her, none of her friends are married, Father God. So the only advice her friends can give her is advice of single people because they're not married, Father God. Lord Jesus, thank you again, Lord. 
please also help my husband not to be a crybaby and run to his mother when he has issues, Lord. Uh, we just want to say thank you, Lord. And Lord, uh, also, can you also put a reminder to my husband to leave the toilet seat down after he uses it? Yes, Lord. Father yes. God, I pray that you help it uh, put it inside of my wife to, after she gets done, use the toilet, put the toilet seat back up, Father God, because it's give and take. There's no chance that after she goes, she's going to go again before I go. So I feel like it's a 50-50 chance, Father God. I feel like it's 50-50. After I get done, I'll put it down. When she gets done, she lifts it up, Father God. And also, while I have you on the main line, Jesus, I pray a special prayer that you put it inside of my wife too. After she drinks the last of the juice, stop putting it back in the refrigerator to go ahead and throw it away in your matchless son, Jesus. Lord name. Jesus, um... I want you to please deliver my husband from a petty wop. Uh, he's such a petty person. So, Lord, please deliver him from his pettiness, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, Father God, uh, I married uh, Petty LaBelle over here, Father God. So, I pray that you put it inside of her to stop taking all the covers at night, Father God, and to stay on her side of the bed. Please. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen. <laughs> Mary Petty LaBelle over here. Oh, man, that was funny. I know there was a, a prayer that my wife prayed with. The, Don't bring the dishes behind me after I am done. In other words, we all have stuff, especially within our marriages or within our ministries, that we look at, and if we're not careful, we can get focused on the things down here rather than what God has for us up there. And we need to understand that if we're going to get plugged in and be effective down here, we need to get plugged into up there. That's very, very important. There is a rhythm of what God did, and he called it the church. Somebody say the church. And when you read about it in the Church of Acts, you will always find that the multiplication and the addition that took place, it seemed, and we read it there, it seemed like, man, that was the perfect church. I mean, they were being added to daily. The church was growing. But this is what you will find. As the church grew in numbers, it also grew in needs. As the church grew in numbers, it also grew in needs. See, here was a dilemma in the church of Acts. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that there was complaining going on over language barriers, over distrib distribution of food, and even courage under fire. There were needs. So what was the solution of carrying out this with the apostles of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What they did was this. Acts chapter 2. Look with me here in Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Uh, I want you to highlight these. Circle them if you can. We're not going to be very long because this is very important to me that I want you to understand where we're going with, with this. Acts chapter 2 verse 40, 46 says, And they were continuing with one accord in the temple, somebody say temple, and breaking bread from house to house. Somebody say house to house. It says, Did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now turn over a couple more chapters. Acts chapter 5 verse 42. It's very important that, that, that you get these scriptures, that you make sure that, well, you know, pastor, they, they're just coming up with an idea. No, this is not an idea. This is God's kingdom. 
And you have to understand this because if you don't, you're going to think that Sunday church attendance is God's kingdom. And you're going to miss it. Acts chapter 5 verse 42 says, and daily in the temple, somebody say temple. I like what it says right there. It says daily. That's crazy, huh? Church every day. Okay, look. And in every house, somebody say house. It says they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Turn a couple more chapters. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. We're going to get 2020 vision right here. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. It says, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly, somebody say publicly, and from house to house. Somebody say house to house. The temple and the house, the big church and the little church, the big church and the little church. Somebody say big church, little church. Say big church, little church. See, this was the early church's life groups. This is how they sustained the healing of the body. Because many times we come into church, and when you come here, a lot of times you'll say, man, I just want to come to church. I just want to be there. I just need to be in church, right? I don't know about you, but there's been many times I just, man, I just need to come to church. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know what's going to take place there. I don't even know who's going to be there, but I just, I just need church. And that's how it was in the book of Acts. I just want church. And it was good. But the way that they were effective as they grew is they made sure they had big church and little church. You need the big church. Come to big church. But don't forget, if you want to continually get your healing, get to little church. If you want to get connected, get to little church. Because it's very important to the harmony of what goes together. This is very important. When one happened, the other happened also. It wasn't one over the other. It was a rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. Now, the rhythm is very important. Now, watch this. This is what we're going to do right now. I want this whole side. I want you to follow me with a clap, okay? This whole side. Follow me with a clap. You ready? Go like this. Good. All right. Go ahead and stop. stop. This whole side. I want you to follow me with a snap. Ready? Good. All right, you got it. Okay, here we go. Now watch this. You ready? You guys going to follow me? Then we're going to go in. Ready? Follow me with the clap. Keep it going. You ready? Go follow me. Don't go too fast. Rhythm, it goes together. What you guys did right there is what the drummer calls the kick and the snare. You can't have one without the other because if it's all by itself, it's too much. Like, oh, like if you were to hear too much of that, you were like, eventually, can you chill? You stop that. Like, it's a little too much. If you hear too much of this, you're like, man, that just it's too high pitched. It gets it messes with my ears. But when you get them in balance together, it brings music to my Years. What the church of Acts was, it was music to their hearts. 
It was perfect rhythm. Somebody say rhythm. Now, what did they do? They met in homes. See, when you meet in homes, this is a perfect atmosphere and a perfect setting for leadership. Somebody say leadership. A lot of people always ask, and they say, well, how can I become a leader? You want to know how to become a leader? Get in life group. Get in life group. Well, how did they become a, how did he become a pastor? Get in life group. You know, my very first Bible study I ever gave was in a life group. I think there was five people there. Five people in the life group. And I think I looked down and, like, that's all I really did. I just looked down and I started sharing. And I was like, prayer is awesome. Everyone should do it. And God hears you when you talk. Amen. Let's pray. You know. That was it. Now, I mean, now you give me a mic. Let's keep going. But my first time, I was like, hey. So little by little, things begin to happen even in the smaller setting. See, in this big setting, you see, you know, Brother Vince up here, and he's dancing, and he's doing his thing. I love when he does that, too. He's here now, so I can talk about it. He wasn't there last week. But he's here, right? He's dancing. So basically, think of it like this. What you're going to do in your life group is you're going to raise up your own AJs. You're going to raise up your own Vince's, your own Angela's. Get your own Pastor Toby's and Pastor Greg's. and Okay, man, I got to start. I got to start doing this here. Come on, let's get this together. Who wants to try? Let's try it here. See, we have the big church, but we also got our small church right here. The rhythm goes together. Somebody say together. See, in a large gathering, a lot of times there is a limited amount of gifts that you can use. We have ushers. We have the kids gang. Uh, we, you know, we have the media. We have different things that our church provides as a whole and service ministries that take place because it is a larger scale. But in a smaller scale, this is where the early church began to develop and connect with one another, and they develop these smaller giftings into larger ones. This was very important and very vital to the book of Acts church, how they met in their houses. In Acts chapter 17, Jason of Thessalonica, he used his house as a church. Philip's house in Caesarea, where he had radical folks in his home. Lydia's house, she opened it up in Philippi. Aquila and Priscilla made their home a place of a life group wherever they lived. So if they moved here, their house became a church. If they moved there, their house became a church. Even the jailer's house at Philippi was used as an evangelistic center after he got converted. When you read the scriptures there, you guys remember Paul and Silas, right? And when, when the, 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 the prison bars, when they shook open and the prisoner, the, 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 the warden there, he was like, oh my gosh, what happened here? He got converted and he got radically converted and right away he said, hey, I need you guys to bring this, whatever happened here, bring it to my house. Whatever you're doing there in that big church, whatever you're doing over there and reaching those people, whatever that is, I need it in my house. See, some of you here this morning, you've been saying, well, how am I going to get this big old atmosphere? It's in my house. Life group. Life group. It connects. It brings everything that is here, and it extends the cord and power up. Some of you need a power up. Tell your neighbor, power up. Also in these homes is where they would receive instruction. Teachers would come forth like glasses so they could see even better than what they did the day before. See, sometimes in a larger setting, it's very hard to every, uh, comprehend every word. Many times the preachers, they'll come forth and they'll talk about the Greek and the Hebrew. And right away when we say that word, you go, well, I'm not Greek. I'm barely even Mexican. I don't even know how to do that. 
So when we start saying these words, you're like, wait, wait, what, what does that mean, ecclesia? What's he talking about? What does that mean? You know, well, how did, so you'll hear the preacher and you'll hear whoever talking. And so right away, many times, you'll shut the preacher off, which I understand. Because your experience or education will only take you so far. And you go, well, that's okay. I don't want to have that. Now, unless the Holy Spirit opens up that door, it goes beyond. It doesn't even matter what the preacher says. Holy Spirit could do what he wants. But many times, our education only takes us so far. And so we say, well, I can't do that. But when you get into the smaller setting, you can say, hey, hey, hold on one second. What is that? What was he talking about this morning? What was he talking about on Sunday? I don't understand what he means. And you can ask questions right there. Get in the homes and break bread. Somebody say, break bread. See, this was an intimate place where they can focus on spiritual growth. This was an intimate place where they could focus on spiritual growth. And what they would also do is they would fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. It says there that they were taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Now, I'm going to throw her out there because she cooks very good. So I'm just going to say it. If you have never had Tina's food, Sister Tina, you have not had gladness of heart yet. The woman can cook, and she's really good. And I'm trying to throw it out there so maybe she might have a cooking life group. That would be gladness of stomach right there. All right, new, new scriptures. But the Bible says, this is very important, see, because a lot of times we think that fellowships are not a big deal. Fellowships are a huge deal. Fellowshipping together is a huge deal because that keeps the connection. There is nothing like breaking bread or, as we say, breaking pan dulce. It is so good. We came back from Watsonville. We were there in the, in the city of Watsonville, and my wife wasn't able to make the trip. Something happened with my daughter, so she wasn't able to come down. And the pastor's wife was looking forward to my wife coming. She's like, oh, man, I, I, she's going to be coming. I said, oh, she can't make it. She's like, oh. She goes, can you give this to her? She gave me like two or three big old containers of pan dulce. She said, here, give this to her. And I looked at it, and I go, I don't know if it's going to make the trip home, man. I don't know what it is about food that makes the gladness of heart. There's just something about it, right? I mean, I'm even talking about it right now. Some of you guys are like, hallelujah, hurry up, pastor. Come on, we, we got to go. This is Famous Dave's right now. I feel Famous Dave's calling me right now. When we start, look at this. When we start talking about food and we fellowship and we talk and we start talking about this restaurant and that restaurant, doesn't that get you happy? It gets you happy. Taco Dave, that gets me happy. Taco Dave just gets me happy. I'm so happy. And look at, watch this, watch this. This is very important to the fellowship of the Church of Acts. Because when people were down and depressed, you know what they would do? They would visit them and bring food to their house. I don't know what it is. You can be depressed, oppressed, talked about, manipulated, lied about, but when you bring somebody food, thanks. So generous. I forgot who was lying about me. Just pass, pass the food. Right? Because they understood that. Matter of fact, that was one of their major uh, struggles and challenges that they were having, the distribution of food. Because they had food going out everywhere. Because food attracted. This is very important to me. Listen to me. Leaders, 
If you are going to do your best to bring in fellowship, hey, bring in some food and invest. You got to be able to invest. Somebody say invest. Because I don't know what it is, but hey, I, I'm starting a marriage life group. But if anybody wants to start a cooking life group, I'm there with you. Amen. You just you send me an email, send me a text, a link, a Facebook, a Snapchat, do whatever you got to do. I will be there. Send me a pigeon. I'll get there. There's something about the fellowship that brings in the family setting. The last thing that they also did with the small church is they evangelized. This was a major aspect to the growth of their church. Evangelism. Somebody say evangelism. See, this is very important. Evangelism is this. Evangelism is bringing good news to a bad news situation. That's, that's the basics of evangelism. I, I just want to try my best to make that clear. The basics of evangelism is bringing the good news to a bad news situation. Now watch this. When you watch Channel 4, how often do you see good news? When you watch Channel 2, how, breaking news, plane crash, breaking news, the house is burned down, breaking news. They're like, breaking news? They should just call it bad news. I mean, all of it is bad. This person, this child got abducted, and this person happened. I'm like, man, this is just, it, and when you hear that bad news, let's be honest, doesn't it kind of oppress you? Like, ah, gosh. So what the church did is they set up a bunch of good news hubs all over a bad news community. So wherever there was bad news, they set up a good, okay, your house is going to be the good news house. So that when people know, when they hear the bad news, they want to hear good news, they go to your house. See what they did? They were very strategic in what they did. They didn't do it by accident. They set up good news hubs. So people knew, oh, that person's house, man, I may be feeling down, but if I go to their house, they're going to pick me up. I may be feeling oppressed, but if I go to there, I'm going to feel encouraged. There's something about a man, a woman of God that lets their house set on fire for God that all of a sudden the whole community and the whole place, even though they may be going through a bad situation, when they see you and they see your house, they say, hey, there goes good news. It's the evangelism and the spirit of the Holy Ghost. Spirit of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me, my friend. We're setting up these life groups on purpose, for a purpose. We're not doing this by accident. This is very important to me that, that as we set up the, this church, this church could grow into 2,000, 3,000 people. But if we have just some small life groups that really don't care about what's going on in their community, we're going to miss it all. We're going to be a spiritually malnutrition church. Spiritually dysfunctional. Where we can function with lights and we can function with media and we can function with, with, with audio and all this microphone stuff. And, oh, that looks great. Look at what they do on the stage. But if we're not getting it in the trenches, we're missing it. Because, listen, if we're honest, many of us, we're going through things within our families. We're going through things within our, our jobs. We're going through it. Some of us just got fired. Some of us are on the brink of, of different situations in our marriage. Some of us, our kids going back to school, and we got to listen to that junk that comes to the educational system. How do I deal with that? What do I do? What did you do? How does it, all this take place? And we got so much stuff happening around us, and it can affect us inside of us. So how do we get this? How do we take care of this? If we're honest, and if I'm honest, look, I can preach so-so, and I can only get to you, to, to your spirit so-so. But if you really want to get this in your spirit, 
You got to say, God, lead me. Guide me. Get me to a place where I can get refreshed. And I need to hear you. God, I love the big church, but Lord, let me not neglect the small church. I need this in my spirit throughout the week. Listen, Sunday is a great day to have church, but so is Tuesday. So is Wednesday. Oh, I love Mondays. Oh, let me tell you, we have great church on Thursdays, man. You should go to so-and-so's house on Fridays. Even some of these groups are starting on Saturdays. Oh, I got to get there because, listen, some of you, you cannot wait to get to church on a Sunday, so you should find somebody's house on a Wednesday. You need it on a Wednesday. Can I hear an amen? Romans chapter 10, verse 15, and I close with this. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful of the feet of those who bring the good news. See, many were added to the church. 3,000 the first time, 5,000 soon after. The church expanded the vision, but how did they absorb the growth? Jesus had modeled for more than three years the structure through which large numbers could be integrated into the church. And just like a family unit, the cell of 12 with an inner circle of Peter, James, and John could absorb large numbers and effectively care for people. This is why they went from house to house daily. This was a context through which the number of new believers could be cared for, taught, and even absorbed into the original group of believers. See, the small group meetings in homes gave the first century church a way to absorb and nurture growth that was four or even five times larger than the core congregation. In addition to the home churches, large group gatherings provided a way for the apostles to bring them together even in special events. The world could now see their unity, the gospel could be shared, and the vision of reaching the world could now be cast. It was very important and I want you to know something here this morning, and I close with this. I know many things that are happening within our church, and I see around what is taking place. Sometimes I acknowledge them. Sometimes I just put my hands off because sometimes I know God says, hey, just leave them alone. They need to get a hold of me. And sometimes I'll say, hey, Brother Manny, we're praying for your father. We're praying for him. I know it's been a difficult situation, but we're praying for him. I understand the difficulty of that. If you don't know, his father had a stroke just the other day, almost died on that hospital bed. That's a difficult thing to be able to have. But I thank God for the brothers and sisters that have come around you and, and prayed for you and helped you through this time. And we're continuing to pray for, for you, Brother Manny. How, how many are praying for Brother Manny and his family? We're praying for him. There's a lot of situations of what is happening and what is taking place. Some we can even, you know, celebrate. Even Brother Eric told me the other day, man, I, I got a raise. I got this. I said, man, what's going on here? They, they were selling tacos using the cuteness of his kids. I was like, come on, somebody. Good stuff. Because they're getting ready, man. We're, we're celebrating. We're, we're, we're going to Africa, and we got to do whatever we can. And who would have ever thought and put a sign together that says, tacos for Africa? How does that even work? But it worked. I said, man. So we can even celebrate and we can move forward with, with different people. People are getting raises and people are getting houses and new cars and different things. That's awesome. But we can also be there for each other. Listen to me. Listen to me. Very important. Because if you're looking, this is very important to me. If you're looking and you're saying, well, I come to church on Sunday. They should take care of all my needs on a Sunday. Then you're missing it. Or I'll just put it like this. I'm not that strong. I'm not that strong. I, I don't have enough wisdom to take care of it all within two hours on a Sunday. 
Like, I'm, I, if I'm honest, I don't think anybody's that smart. That's, that's, a, that's a lot to, to do and take care of. But we're still believing. I'm still believing for each and every one of you. I'm believing within my heart, but listen, there's a bunch of under-shepherds that also have a heart for you too, and I want to challenge you. Get connected with them. Be with them uh, and talk with them. E- even Dave, even the other day when you posted about your brother, I was praying about your brother. You know, you know when we did his funeral, I still remember all that. All these things come to mind and they come to my heart. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. They're fresh on your minds, but I- I'm praying, God, give me uh, the spirit. Let it, let it come in my spirit. Let it be able to, to, to go out. Well, how does it go out? Through the life groups. It connects that way. So for some of you say that this is my church, then you should also have this is my life group. I know this is your church, but also get a life group in there. Connect in there. Grow in there. Because that, my friend, is where you're going to be able to use your gifts and then compel other people to use their gifts as well. Bring them in. Bring, how will they know unless they've been sent? Listen to me, my friend. I, I know each and every one of us, we're going through our own struggles. The Church of Acts was going through their own struggles. How are they going to handle this? What are they going to do with that? Well, I don't speak that language. Well, I don't speak that language. Well, I'm not the same as him. Well, I'm not the same as her. And even I look around here within the Bay Area. Listen, I, I love the fact that we're all from different backgrounds. I think it's great. You know, we have this white guy and this black boy and, and this Mexican girl and this Polynesian, you know, boy and this, you know, uh, a Persian person. I, I love it. I think it's great. But I know a lot of times they say, oh, oh, no, don't let, listen, don't let political correctness mess up the kingdom-mindedness. Don't do that. We're in the Bay Area, so if we're honest, we don't really have that issue too much like they do in the South. It's a lot more down there, trust me, a lot more. So here we don't really have that issue, but we cannot let that creep in and say, oh, you're white, so I'm not going to go to that life group. You're black, so I can't go to that life group. We don't get along. We don't have the same background. Oh, you're Mexican, and so we don't do that. I'm Puerto Rican, so, we, you know, Puerto Ricans are Mexican. We don't. Wait, wait, wait. That's a cultural thing. We're not here to debate cultures at all. We don't do that. We are here in a kingdom mindset. And we have a kingdom business. And if you are about kingdom business, then you need to get in a kingdom group because it's very important to the health of what you're doing and very important to what God wants to do in the Bay Area. So you're Mexican, praise the Lord. So you're Puerto Rican, glory to God. You're El Salvadorian, hallelujah. You're Filipino, hallelujahs. As he comes to the piano, look, if we're honest, even within our own nationality, we have issues. We have our own issues. Even whites have, no, there's certain kinds of whites. Wait, what? There's certain kinds of Mexicans. Wait, what are you talking about? No, 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 there's a certain level of black. Wait, what? Hold on, stop. So here we are trying to make division. See, life group breaks all that down. Breaks it all down. Says, no, no, listen, let's, let's get along over here. People look at me, and they go, oh, he's Mexican. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, you're, some of you are probably more Mexican than me, and you don't even probably like burritos. But if you speak Spanish, I don't speak any Spanish. I speak nunca. Is that a word? Did I get it? Nada? Nada, I mean. See, I'm from the Bay. Nada. 
I'll speak any. But you know what I do speak? Love. I can speak love. I can eat Spanish. I can eat Puerto Rican. But I can't speak, but I can speak love. Listen to me. If you're here today and say, well, I can't really connect. We're not of the same background. They had the same issue in the church of Acts. They had the same issue. Same one. Well, they're not taking care of the widows, and they're not, they don't speak my language, and how are we going to get this food out, and what are we going to do? So the apostles got together and said, look, 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 let's huddle up. Let's huddle up. Come on. I got a great idea. Let's get other people, and let's let them have groups in their house so we can continually daily do what we need to do with the temple and continue to spread the good news. So for those of you here, say, man, I want to get connected. How can I do that? Find a life group. It's important. It's vital to your spiritual life. And listen, you don't have to be of their background. You don't even have to be as old as them. Maybe they might even be younger than you. That doesn't matter. You just want to be able to connect. Say, how can we connect? I want to connect with you. And if you're having a hard time connecting, I got a great remedy. It's called tacos. And if you really want to go, our, our uh, uh, culture has made a whole day and called it Taco Tuesday. Find a Tuesday and walk over to somebody and let's break bread. Or should I say, let's break tortillas on a Tuesday. I know I use a little bit of humor, but at the same time, I'm actually being a little serious. I really am. Invite somebody to lunch that you see here on a Tuesday. Hey, let's go have lunch. I don't know you. Exactly. That's the point. I don't know you. Let's get to know each other. Couples, hey, let's come together. Why don't you bring your wife? You bring your, hey, let's, let's have some lunch. Let's connect. That's how they were able to do it then in the Church of Acts. They connected. Look, we, we, may, not all over, uh, we may not all connect over our past, but we can't connect in our future. We can't connect in our future. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise if you believe that here tonight or today. Can you do something with me? Can you stand with me? We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to bless this church. And this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to end in prayer. We're going to end in prayer by making some small groups and small prayer. And how we do it, this is how we, we like to do it sometimes. We don't do it all the time, but... Occasionally, what we'll do is when we get into a group, we'll kind of get arm in arm. And what you do is you put your arm in someone else, you get arm in arm, and boom, that's, that's one way. Another way we do it as well is we'll get shoulder to shoulder, and we'll kind of put our hand on, on someone's shoulder. If it's a brother, uh, you know, one brother to another, we'll kind of get a little closer, and sisters get a little closer. You know, we do stuff like that. We'll, we'll hold hands. That's another form of connecting. But it's very important, the connection, the connection. Now, the reason why I say this is because when you're connected, you can still hurt each other and love each other. I'm going to say that again. You can still hurt each other. But that's my brother. I still love him. For those of you with family, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. You know, when you have your brothers and like your sisters, you know, my, my sister's here. 
and you know, you know, we kind of mess with each other all the time. But if anybody else talked about him, hey, hey, only I can mess with him. It's my sister. You, shut up. Because we have that relationship. It's okay. Listen, it's okay if we hurt each other every now and then. Don't do it on purpose. But it happens. But it's love. That's what the connection does. The connection allows the good news to flow through. So no matter what the community and what the world is trying to put in and bad, you're still connected. I want you to do it right there. Get, connect with the